Fired Up Show starts right now. And welcome, everybody. Welcome to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve. I host the show each week. And uh, we have a very busy news week uh, to try and encapsulate for you this podcast episode. So without further ado, let's get right into it, all right? And um, just so you know, um, there is, and we are going to discuss uh, the, the war that is happening in Israel, between Israel and Hamas. Uh, it's, you have to have been off the planet and out of touch with all kind of media not to have heard anything about what is going on in Israel. And we're going to talk about it later on in this show. But there are a few things I wanted to uh, cover ahead of time, or ahead of that, um, that I uh, wanted to make sure that we got time in to talk about. So the first one, and this is uh, an, an article uh, that came out of Politico uh, on the 11th, and uh, it's an article that talks about how the Supreme Court is likely to side with the South Carolina GOP in racial gerrymandering case in that state. And, you know, if you've been following the show, we've been talking about uh, gerrymandering cases uh, pretty deeply over the last three or four podcasts. Uh, it has uh, become uh, one of the primary methods that Republicans are using to suppress uh, the non-Republican vote in uh, red states around the country. And a couple of the, the, uh, the states have had their gerrymander cases uh, turned over by the Supreme Court and have been ordered to redraw maps. Uh, however, uh, as the article uh, talks about, uh, the... Supreme Court's conservative majority uh, appeared uh, likely to uphold a Republican-drawn congressional district in South Carolina that a lower, a lower court had found was racially gerrymandered. Uh, the case uh, is Alexander versus South Carolina Conference of the NAACP tests the legal limits of parties, partisan gerrymandering when it intersects with race. The NAACP is accusing Republican lawmakers of drawing the state's first district represented by GOP Rep. Nancy Mace by shuffling black voters in and out of the district to make it reliably Republican. And the article continues, and this was the line, the, the one line in this article that jumped out and caught my eye. Uh, and it, it says, but the GOP insists it ignored race and only considered partisanship when it drew a district that was more favorable to Republican candidates. Let's dissect that for a second. So what that is saying is that the Republican legislature drew a district designed to, uh, to strengthen the Republican vote. Uh, and they didn't according to the GOP, take race uh, of the constituents into the equation. 
they purely drew it on the R's and the D's uh, to create a reliably Republican district. Now, that is dramatically different from many of the other gerrymandering cases that we've talked about on this show and that have, in fact, happened uh, across the country in these, uh, you know, red-dominated states. Uh, this is the first I've heard of where uh, race uh, wasn't a, the major factor or a major factor in a gerrymandering effort, but purely just to gather up as many Republicans as they could, drop them into a single district, uh, so that they could be assured that it's uh, you know reliably Republican. So the the article uh, reports that the NAACP and other challengers argue that Mesa's district was drawn by intentionally sorting out black voters from the district and moving them into the state's sixth district, which is represented by longtime. Democratic Rep. Jim Clyburn. They argued that race uh, was the primary factor in drawing the lines after the 2020 census in violation of the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause and the 15th Amendment's guarantee that Americans' right to vote won't be denied or abridged on account of race. So apparently, they uh, chose the workaround of saying, well, we're not going to look at race. We're going to look at your voter registration. And if you're a Republican, you're coming with us. If you're a Democrat, then you're going over to the 6th District. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it is sort of the intersection of gerrymandering meeting segregation. Uh, so, map makers, uh, according to uh, a federal a panel of three federal judges um, agreed with the challengers, writing that race was the predominant factor motivating the new first district and that there was an effective, quote, bleaching of African-American votes out of the Charleston County portion of the district. Now, you know, this, as I said, was uh, not the primary reason that Republicans took this approach, as I've already said. Uh, but according to the court ruling, mapmakers may not use partisanship as a proxy for race. Okay, so you can't uh, substitute uh, partisan, uh, partisan preferences, you know, your voter registration for a gerrymander that, you know, in, in any other case would be based on race. Uh, the Republicans appealed that lower court decision to the Supreme Court and conceding that the district was gerrymandered, but for partisan, not racial reasons. What? So you admit to gerrymandering the district, but you say it's okay because we didn't do it based on race. Is that what you're telling us? All right. So basically they scooped out all of the, the black and minority voters out of the district because they were Democrats, not because they were black. Uh, so, and according to uh, the attorneys for the state's GOP, uh, their reasoning included 
that the plan treated all Democratic voters the same and all Republican voters the same, regardless of race. Uh, so it, it is undisputed that the plan likely disadvantages as many or more white Democrats as African-American Democrats in District 1. So uh, this, this just bends my mind. All right, so you're, you're getting, you're, you're GOP, you're getting beaten up in state after state over these racial gerrymanders. So you huddle up and say, okay, we, we, we're not doing so well basing it on race. So let's just base it on you know, political affiliation. Uh, the net result is the same. You are disenfranchising, you are diluting uh, the, the votes of um, black Democrats and, coincidentally, white Democrats. Because it's that they didn't, they didn't work on a racial equation. They worked on a partisan equation. So, you know, as we've talked on this show many times over the years, uh, you know, Republicans, uh, Democrats, basically uh, people, non-melanated people, a.k.a. white people, you all need to, to study this. You need to pay attention to this because these rules that are being put in place to disenfranchise or affect minorities are also affecting you whether it's, you know, a, a decision to eliminate or uh, drastically reduce the SNAP program or, you know, the, the, the college funding or, or whatever, uh, these programs, uh, while it, they may be driven by a racial predicate, end up impacting many more, uh, not of the the of color racial group that is the original target so you know it, it is it is something that you know you you seldom seldom hear discussed uh in terms of its effect on non-people of color but in reality it does impact uh you know white people and poor uh people who are not black it uh, can, you know, these, these rules can impact rural voters, uh, city voters, and so forth. So the, at the end of the day, the bottom line is uh, this case in South Carolina kind of pulls that curtain back on a little bit deeper perspective on just how insidious gerrymandering is. That in order for the Republicans to maintain their level of control, even though they are outnumbered in these districts by non-Republican voters, what they do is they gather them all together, either by their race or by their political affiliation. Now, if, if this uh, suit brings this to light, you can, I'll bet you, you know, a dollar to donuts that we will, we will uncover more of these cases uh, as the investigations and as the journalism continues. So we're going to dig into it. We're going to see you know, what other districts are out there that may have had this same you know, non-racial approach that yields the same effect uh, has. So you know, stick with us on Fired Up. You know, we'll keep you advised with what we find. 
But uh, like I said, this one jumped off the page at me and I had to bring it um, to the show. So let me know what you what you think about that. Send an email to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com and uh, give me your thoughts on what appears to be a new flavor of gerrymandering that may be uh, more out there than we've been aware of. Uh, you know, we've been you know, railing against racial gerrymandering for a very long time. Uh, if this uh, partisan gerrymandering is becoming the new flavor uh, on how they do it, this is something that we need to pay a lot of attention to. Because right now, it seems like, with the exception of this South Carolina case, that is flying totally under the radar. But we'll keep you posted on what we find out. Okay, so what else uh, have we had? Well, we're in week two of the uh, House uh, ground to a halt, deer in the headlights look not getting anything done because, uh, you know, one knucklehead uh, congressman from Florida, who shall remain mostly nameless, but we all know who it is, uh, called, uh, called the rule on Kevin McCarthy where, you know, one representative can call for a uh, vacate the chair motion on the floor. Uh, the Republicans in the House were very upset because Kevin McCarthy did the right thing in working with Democrats to avoid the debt ceiling crisis a couple of months ago and then more recently to uh, put in place a continuing resolution aimed at funding the government for 45 days beyond the October 1st start of the new uh, fiscal year uh, because the Republican uh, opposition refused to bring votes on the 12 necessary bills uh, in order to fund the government. So just as a quick background story, uh, the, the funding package for the United States government is broken up into 12 separate bills. Each bill funds a specific segment of the, the government. One bill, uh, for example, funds agriculture programs, which include food stamps and farm subsidies and all, all kinds of things related uh, in that realm. Uh, childhood school lunches fall under that as well. So there are 12 of these uh, packages that every year Congress brings, brings to the floor, the House brings them to the floor, and, you know, historically they have passed on a wildly bipartisan nature. Uh, it is not unusual for these 12 bills to garner 300 votes uh, out of a 435-seat House and go to the Senate and, you know, go, you know, 95 to something or 97 to something or unanimous. Yet, this go-round, because of the you know, conservative, the ultra-conservative right wing and uh, their desire to put conditions on these bills, which, by the way, typically are clean when they go in. That is, there's no you know, addendums or amendments or you know, pork or anything else in these bills. They are solely to fund the government, um, but not this year. 
This year, there were some provisos put on these these bills, such as not continuing funding for Ukraine and, you know, spending caps on, uh, you know, the budget items that actually were larger than what was agreed to at the beginning of the year between Democrats and Republicans when they were voting uh, to avoid the debt ceiling. The Democrats agreed to reduce certain spending levels and make other adjustments uh, in um, appropriations that the Republicans wanted so that the bill to avoid the debt ceiling crash uh, would pass. Well, the Republicans are reneging on that agreement and are proposing even deeper cuts that were never uh, debated or discussed with the Democrats uh, and, you know, go much further and, and do more harm than the original cuts uh, were slated to do. All that to say that uh, because they could not come to an agreement on these bills before the end of the fiscal year, uh, which was at the end of September, on October 1st, the government would have run out of money and basically would have shut down. Now, the last time this happened, uh, it ran uh, for roughly, I believe, two months of government shutdown. The time before that, I think it was 30-something days. So while this hasn't happened every year, it's happened often enough to you know, make legislatures aware of just how painful this is for the federal government. And, you know, we we talked about this on a prior podcast, if not the last one, the one before that. Uh, So you can go to the archive site and uh, go back a couple of podcasts and you'll find it. Um, So in in the meantime, they voted uh, Kevin McCarthy out. uh, And it was, you know, a a party line vote. The Democrats did not, uh, you know, vote to save Kevin McCarthy. Uh, And for two weeks now, the House of Representatives has not had a Speaker of the House. Now, when the House of Representatives doesn't have a Speaker of the House, the House of uh, the the House of Representatives can't do anything. A Speaker is required for the operation uh, of the House to carry out its most important functions. So in the interim. They appointed what is called a uh, speaker pro tempore or speaker pro tem, and that's Representative Patrick Murphy, I'm sorry, McHenry, Republican from North Carolina, who basically is uh, presiding over the House uh, to handle non uh, critical needs, um, you know, and and so forth, just kind of steering the ship until a full speaker can be appointed. So, you know, in in the past week, uh, Republicans went into a closed door caucus, uh, held a vote, and, you know, Representative uh, Steve Scalise initially won the private ballot uh, to be named the speaker nominee uh, with uh, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, who came in second to Scalise in that vote. So... That looked like we were going to move toward getting uh, a Speaker of the House. 
Now, you know, from a Democratic perspective, Steve Scalise, you know, obviously is conservative, is Republican, uh, not exactly, a, you know, our, our top choice for speaker. Uh, and then what happened uh, two days later, uh, Scalise stepped down, which meant we were back to no speaker. So they had to go back into a second session. Uh, and this one, uh, Chairman Jim Jordan came out as as the the vote winner although uh he needs 217 votes uh to be named speaker uh down one from what was needed in january because there are some there are absences in the house there are a couple of seats that are vacant so he fell about uh 50 something votes short of that so now the republicans uh are going to bring a vote to the floor uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and try and and wrangle up 217 votes to make Jim Jordan the new Speaker of the House. And if if you're a you know a progressive, uh, obviously if you're a Democrat um, or even you know a moderate Republican, uh, this is not the best solution. Jim Jordan, uh, and, and we're going to talk a little about him uh, in, you know, in, in a little more detail uh, further downstream from here. But he has been basically uh, a rabble rouser and troublemaker in the House uh, for just about all of the 19 years he's been a, a congressman. Uh, so rather than you know, bringing bills to the floor... Uh, I believe the total number of bills that he has brought, uh, he has sponsored or co-sponsored uh, is, uh, I believe he's brought four and he's co-sponsored a couple of others in 19 years. What has he been doing? Anyway, so the, the House of Representatives has remained in basically frozen stasis for the last two weeks. And, you know, it, it means that the government of the United States can't get anything done. Remember, it, remember your civics. In, in the three uh, branches of government, in the legislative branch, the House of Representatives controls the purse strings. They're the ones who allocate the money. All right. So if the House is not moving or not working, there's no money flowing. No money for appropriations, no money for you know support packages for things like uh, military aid to Ukraine, and you know this has has gotten even worse because now we've got this hot war starting up in Israel. In addition to the hot war we've had for the last two years uh, in Ukraine, and the situation with China that you know keeps looking like it's going to escalate into something uh, that would require appropriation of monies and assets deployment of you know uh, military responses all of these things flow through the house so if the house is not functioning none of this happens and as voters as constituents as citizens we need to be really really pissed off about this uh and it doesn't matter whether you're democrat or republican uh 
because you know these things that the house controls these appropriations affect everybody if you know ukraine you know and and there there's been a ton of articles about this if ukraine doesn't get the funding and support it continues to need in its fight against russia if russia wins that war they're not going to stop at ukraine they're going to continue to move on the next target they want which is poland and if russia attacks poland who is a member of nato which the united states is a member of nato and there is something called the article 5 alliance in nato that says if you attack one nato country you've attacked them all and all are going to respond so the u.s could end up getting dragged into a war with russia because we can't continue to to support Ukraine beyond the most minimal levels that the Department of Defense and the White House are able to allocate under their authority. Any major appropriations have to go through the House. So we've got that going. Now we've got, in the last week, we have the, the massacre of Israeli uh, civilians by Hamas uh, a week ago Saturday uh, and you know we've all been you know immersed in the tragedy uh, and the, the human toll of that conflict Israel is getting ready to uh, to start you know a a military invasion of the Gaza Strip and you know we're, we're gonna I, I don't want to get too far down on this because I want to talk about it in a little more detail in the second half but essentially, we need to be there. We've got two carrier battle groups there, but we need to be able to respond should needs arise. And without the House of Representatives to handle appropriations and allocations of resources and so forth, we can't do that effectively. So that's the second thing that, you know, this, this stand down or this stand off in the house is created so you know it, it is it is clear that you know there is you know turmoil uh in the american government now the senate is trying to do everything that they can but again without funding which is controlled by the house there's a limit a very big limit on what the senate can do they can they can pass bills all day long till the cows come home but before they can get to the president to be signed they have to be passed by who the house of representatives which right now isn't working so you see the nature of the problem that we have here so if you haven't been paying attention you need to pay attention because this is just going to get bigger it's going to grow and impact more than just our military operations around the world it's going to impact funding for all of federal programs so it you know school lunch programs health programs you know hospital funding drug money research uh, funding all of these all of these programs that the house routinely passes funding legislation for every year in its appropriations bills uh, is at a standstill, a dead stop. So, you know, it, it's it's getting so crazy 
You want to know how crazy it's getting? It's getting so crazy that the, according to another article, uh, this one, another article out of Politico, Democrats are beginning to seriously entertain the notion of helping enable Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry, Republican of North uh, Carolina, to pass critical legislation, a potential short-term fix as GOP infighting continues to paralyze the House. So this is an article, uh, again, another one that came out of Politico. Uh, summarizing this, uh, basically, Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry, as I said, is really just kind of a shepherd over the low-level uh, functions of the House. Um, he cannot uh, bring bills to the floor, which means bills can't get voted on and, and passed or, or shot down and so forth. So there's a very, very small amount of things that he can do. What the Democrats or the discussion is, is, uh, you know, enabling uh, with with in a bipartisan fashion. A change in the House rules, which would give uh, McCarthy, not McCarthy, McHenry, uh, the the powers of the speaker uh, for short durations of time. One um, proposal I've heard floated uh, just this past week was that there was discussion going on about enabling McHenry with, you know, the the authority necessary to bring bills to the floor uh, for a a period of 15 days at a time. So there would be this continuing empowerment that would go on so that for 15 days, McHenry could function as uh, the speaker, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, and bring bills to the floor so that the House could begin to get something done. Now, he wouldn't have all of the powers of the speaker. He also, from my understanding, would not have the position as uh, second in the line of succession to the presidency. So, you know, there are, there are certain areas of the authority of the speaker that he would not have, but he would have the ability to bring legislation to the floor so that it could be voted on. Uh, how that's going to uh, fly uh, is probably not going to uh, happen. Uh, so, you know, we, we will see. Uh, but, of course... As with anything in the House, uh, nothing comes without, uh, you know, a, a deal. You know, it, it, you got to You got to pay the music in order to dance the dance. Um, one of the things that uh, was proposed in this 15 day incremental authority is that he would guarantee votes on government funding bills and aid packages for Ukraine and Israel. So, you know, you can see that, um, you know, as it says in the article, the Republicans tied themselves into a Gordian knot. Um, they, they basically have, you know, built a, a high wall around themselves, trapping themselves inside the wall. So anyway, um, all right, let's take a break here. We come back. I'm um, going to touch quickly 
on talking about uh, you know potential Speaker of the House Jim Jordan and you know what that might mean, and we're going to have uh, some conversation about uh, the the war that looks like it's getting ready to escalate in a major way in Israel between Israel and Hamas. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media. We'll be right back after the break. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I got to tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation, and it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. And we're back. All right. Uh, We talked in the first half about uh, some of the dysfunction that's happening in the House of Representatives and the gerrymandering issue in the Supreme Court decision to uphold the GOP uh, challenge to South Carolina uh, geo, I'm sorry, gerrymandering case. I uh, want to take a, a few moments and kind of tie up a loose end from the discussion on the House dysfunction, particularly where uh, we were talking about uh, the Uh, vote that's coming up. Uh, Actually, um, by the time this show airs, uh, the vote will either be happening or will have happened. Uh, So, you know, there will be news out about the results of the floor vote in Congress on in the House of Representatives in particular on naming Congressman Jim Jordan as the next Speaker of the House. one of the shows, and I speak often about how many different sources that I listen to or read uh, or otherwise interact with uh, over the course of each week as I prepare my show. One of them is uh, a host on one of the channels on Sirius XM, uh, Progress. Uh, his name is Tom Hartman. It's T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N. And he hosts a uh, show Monday through Friday uh, on the Progress Channel from noon to three. And I, I don't say that as uh, an endorsement necessarily of his show, uh, nor uh, does he in any way sponsor or have any other relationship with this podcast other than he's one of the reference sources that I listen to um, because... I find, uh, even if I disagree with what he's talking about, uh, his, his arguments, pro or con, are uh, almost always uh, insightful, detailed, uh, and um, you know, have real good content value, and I, I generally learn from them. Uh, anyway, uh, if you 
using the search engine of your choice. Uh, if you search for, again, Tom Hartman, and it's T-H-O-M, Hartman with two N's at the end, uh, you'll find references to all of his, uh, all of his media presence. Um, on uh, October 16th, uh, basically Monday, uh, he had an article uh, and it was a topic uh, on his uh, online uh, news, news page uh, that talks about uh, Speaker Jim Jordan. Uh, it, it's titled, Will Speaker Jim Jordan Create an Axis of Evil with Trump and Putin Aligned MAGA GOP? So, uh, it, it's a rather lengthy article. I won't go through all of it. Uh, it would consume the, you know, the balance of today's show at least. Uh, but he brought out some very interesting points that I think are worthy of consideration as we potentially look forward to uh, Representative Jim Jordan as being Speaker of the House. Uh, and you know, it, it starts off kind of setting the stage for this. Uh, he, he cites, Republicans appear to be on the verge of picking Jim Jordan as the next Speaker of the House of Representatives. If they do, they'll be putting Donald Trump by proxy in charge of the House half of Congress. So, you know, right there, it, it kind of gives you a lead as to, um, you know, how Representative Jordan uh, kind of functions. He is one of the representatives in the House who is definitely uh, in uh, Donald Trump's camp, if not in his pocket. So, you know, and, and the, the point of the article uh, is really uh, talking about the things that uh, Jim Jordan has in his past that makes him uh, really not a, a good choice for uh, Speaker of the House. Uh, if in a, in, a, in a free and fair and uh, un, unbullied election, Jim Jordan wouldn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of being elected Speaker of the House. However, uh, the media has been all over the fact that he and his allies in the House have been making calls, uh, applying pressure to members who have said that they don't support him uh, and, you know, basically um, threatening them with being primaried and other pressure tactics uh, so that they will line up behind Jim Jordan. Uh, but most, you know, one of the biggest things is Jordan is an ardent supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, he was uh, the first one to stand up and, you know, echo the, the claims that Trump's been making about uh, how the 2020 election was stolen. Uh, he was a, a supporter and backer of the false claims that were brought forward by Rudy Giuliani and, um, you know, and, and his whole cadre. Um, so, uh, but as, as Tom says in his article, uh, the, the, the main point here is that Jim Jordan has lied continuously and often. Uh, among the lies that Jim Jordan has has claimed uh, uh, that you know he lists in his in his article, 
claiming in 2020 that Democrats were preparing to steal the election, uh, in, in parentheses, a meme Trump was promoting then too, as both saw the polls showing that Trump would lose the election. Uh, he also uh, took Putin and Trump's side in defending the Russian terrorist attack on Ukraine. Uh, he uh, was promoting a Russian lie that then Vice President Biden got a U Ukrainian prosecutor fired to help out uh, his son, Hunter Biden, uh, where the reality was literally the opposite. Uh, arguing that Social Security and Medicare must be, quote, reformed, a.k.a. cut, to keep the program solvent when, according to you know, what, what Tom states in his article, simply having rich people pay the same FICA tax as the rest of us would solve any of the uh, financial problems that those two programs have. He's been trying to blow up Fannie Willis's investigation of Trump's alleged crime of demanding the Georgia Secretary of State quote, fined over 11,000 votes. Uh, he was siding with Trump and his Republican conspiracy to overthrow our government on January 6th. Uh, he's been telling false stories continuously about Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, he sought to in, uh, impeach Rod Rosenstein uh, and smearing Robert Mueller uh, as he led an effort to impeach Rosenstein for investigating Trump's lies to Putin advancing a strategy to gin up an impeachment effort against President Biden, uh, you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick and choose a few, but he's got a whole lengthy list of them here. Um, supporting a corrupt strategy by Wisconsin Republicans to impeach the new chief justice of that state's Supreme Court, helping to cover up revelations of fraud in Donald Trump's tax returns, participating at the center of the conspiracy to storm the Capitol and then voting not to certify President Biden as the legal winner of the 2020 election, alleging that the Biden uh, administration was targeting, quote, Catholic traditionalists, close quote, for punishment by the IRS, smearing the IRS and their efforts to get billionaires to pay the taxes they owe. Uh, and, you know, the, the article, he quotes, um, uh, Liz Cheney, uh, a Republican, she was on the January 6th committee, uh, who said in part, Jim Jordan knew more about what Donald Trump had planned for January 6th than any other member of the House of Representatives. Uh, Adam Kinziger, also a member of the January 6th committee and a Republican, uh, he, he said on Twitter X that Jim Jordan was involved in Trump's conspiracy to steal the election and seize power. He urged that Pence uh, refuse to count lawful electoral votes. Um, now, really, one of the, the major ones brought up, Jim Jordan has refused to honor a subpoena from the January 6th committee and is still in contempt of Congress for his cowardice, and nothing has been done about that. Uh, obviously, the Republicans control the House. Um, but again... The January 6th committee ended a year and a half ago. Um, you know, former Speaker of the House John Boehner uh, wrote in his book about Jordan, who he called a legislative terrorist. Um, you know, and, and it goes on and on and on. Um, you know, it, it's, as I said, he endorsed Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell's bogus claims that Dominion voting systems 
and Smartmatic had robbed Trump of an electoral victory, um, you know, and, and on and on. Um, he also led a group that, along with Congressman Matt Gates, uh, brought people without security clearances carrying cell phones with cameras into the top secret secured skiff, prompting Congressman Eric Swalwell to note they not only brought in their unauthorized bodies, they may have brought in the Russians and the Chinese with electronics into a secure space, which will require that the space at some point in time be sanitized. So, you know, it, it, it's clear um, that, you know, Jordan has been, you know, a, a thorn in the side of, you know, uh, moderate Republicans, uh, progressives, Democrats uh, for uh, most, if not all, of his 16 years in Congress. And oh, by the way, he's only uh, sponsored four pieces of legislation in 16 years, none of which uh, ever passed uh, on to become law. Uh, you know, you may also remember Jordan was um, an Ohio wrestling coach uh, and was uh, wrapped up in the investigation of the head coach of the uh, Ohio wrestling team and that in, in the scandal involving indecent assaults on um, male wrestlers. So, I mean, he's voted against, I'm looking at the list and there's got to be 25 um, pieces of legislation that would uh, be to the benefit of you know, the, the rank and file American citizens. Um, you know, he voted against H.R. 1, the For the People Act. Uh, he voted, he voted uh, against the Honoring Family Friendly Workplaces Act. Uh, he voted against Fighting the Homelessness Through Services and Housing Act. Uh, you know, the, uh, he voted against the Mental Health Access and Gun Violence Prevention Act of 2021. Uh, you know, and he voted against Farm Workforce Moder Moder Modernization Act of 2021. So, you know, all of, and, and again, Ohio is a large rural state. So, you know, it, it, it's clear that should he become Speaker of the House, uh, we're going to see some, you know, shenanigans uh, that that we have not seen, uh, you know, in forever in the House of Representatives. Uh, on Ohio newspaper, again, according to the article from Tom Hartman, warns that putting Jordan in the speaker's position two heartbeats away from the presidency will create an axis of evil between Trump, Jordan, and the other Putin-aligned MAGA Republicans in that body. Now, something else to keep in mind. As he said, the Speaker of the House is the second in line to the presidency behind the Vice President of the United States. So if, uh, if you know, there is a segment of the you know, political body that would like to see someone else as president, um, you know, do the math. You know, and, you know, you could see how such a scenario might play out. 
I, I don't want to you know, go into details because I'm pretty sure it would be misconstrued. And then I'd have, you know, the men, the men in black suits and the big black suburbans knocking on my door. So according to, you know, Tom Hartman's final paragraph, it says, Jim Jordan represents a real and existential threat to democracy in our country, the rights of women and minorities, and peace in the world. Uh, he, you know, of, of all the people who could be chosen as Speaker of the House, and, you know, I was no big fan of Kevin McCarthy, but in at the end of the day, he understood that the role of the House of Representatives was to govern and to make the decisions that, you know, improve the lives of everyday Americans. That's why he worked with Democrats uh, when Republicans stood against him to, um, to, you know, uh, uh, avoid the debt ceiling crisis. That's why he, again, worked bipartisan fashion to put in place a continuing resolution so that would give time for the funding crisis to be resolved in the House. So, you know, I, I can't see Jim Jordan doing any of that. He is among, in my opinion, he is among uh, that group of Democratic legislatures, legislators who would just as soon see the whole thing burn to the ground. Uh, in, in order to uh, get their way and not have to deal with more progressive, uh, you know, more liberal, more uh, things that would benefit the rank and file American citizens. Um, you know, as, as with many uh, Repub Republicans, especially in that wing of the Republican Party, they throw the words about, about being, you know, for the people and working on behalf of the American people. And when the camera lights go off, they do the exact opposite. So here's the thing. You know, in, in one sense, we absolutely need to have a Speaker of the House. You know, but uh, you need to ask yourself the question. Dig into Jim Jordan's uh, record while he's been a congressman. Look at what he has said. Look at his interviews. Look at, at the, the headlines about him. And then ask yourself, uh, is this the person that we want in control of one half of the legislative arm of our federal government? Even if it is only for another you know, 14 months until the election and the opportunity comes to vote a change in the House and you know, revert it back to Democrats. Um, in that amount of time, someone like Jordan in, um, in concert with, you know, the, the MAGA crowd uh, within the Republican Party can do a hell of a lot of damage to this country, not only domestically, but to our you know, relationship in the world. Uh, and if you don't believe that, just look at what happened when, you know, former President Trump was the commander in chief was, you know, the head of the, essentially the free world. Look at what happened with our relationship with NATO and so forth. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to not want Jim Jordan to be speaker. Weighed against 
the, the reason that we need a speaker in order for our government to function as it is designed to function. So, you know, there's a, we're, we're in a conundrum here. So, um, but yeah, check into it, do your homework, uh, find out and let your representatives know where you stand. Um, as I said, first vote on, you know, his potential speakership will be held on Tuesday, the 17th. Um, and, you know, by the time this show airs, um, that first vote and probably, you know, subsequent vote will be, you know, in the books. So we'll, we'll talk about that in next week's podcast. But, you know, it, it looks like we're going to have another uh, session like we had in January, maybe not 15 votes, but it's definitely going to take quite a few. So we'll keep you posted. We're going to watch it closely and we'll bring you all of the, the news and details that we can find. Uh, about how this plays out okay all right so uh, the last segment uh, I I can't let this uh, this podcast go by without you know some discussion of what is going on uh, in Israel Um, as everybody should know by now on October 7th uh, at you know sometime around 630 in the morning Uh, a large group of Hamas militants broke through the border fence between Israel and Gaza and attacked uh, civilian communities all along that border. Uh, Right now, uh, as of uh, a couple of days ago, uh, I had information that uh, there were uh, 1,300 Israelis that were killed, 3,400 wounded, and in 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 fighting back, uh, there were 2,329 Palestinians killed and 9,000 wounded. And again, that's of uh, the 15th of October, so that number is a couple of days old, and it's definitely higher than that now. Uh, also, we learned that Hamas. Uh, has captured, uh, and numbers vary wildly, but according to some of the most reliable sources, um, that Hamas has captured uh, between 200 and 250 uh, hostages made up of, you know, Israeli soldiers, Israeli civilians, uh, including men, women, children, and infants. And among those that were killed uh, were, you know, men, women, uh, children, and babies. Uh, There are reports out that these militants um, beheaded uh, people as as they stormed these kibbutzes. Um, You you may have heard about the the party, the rave that was going on uh, in the desert that was surrounded by uh, Hamas uh, fighters and basically they just opened fire on the crowd with machine guns. Uh, it's it just a horrific uh, event that has led to the fact that as of uh, Monday night, uh, Israel is poised with uh, nearly 300,000 troops 
ready to go into uh, Gaza and hunt down the Hamas militants. Uh, their stated goal is that they are going to remove Hamas as a uh, terrorist threat once and for all. So, you know, like I said, uh, we've got uh, a, a hot war ready to begin. Uh, just need to have fuse lit and that can happen at any time. Um, you know, it, it may be that, you know, it, as I'm recording this, that the invasion has begun. I won't know until I finish and, and turn back on um, the various news sources. Uh, but in any event, um, you know, it, it is something that, you know, we should be watching and keeping an eye on. It is something, and, and you know, many people here in the United States um, have, you know, family and, and relatives, friends who live in Israel. There are a number of the hostages taken. Uh, I've heard numbers between 40 and 60 of them uh, are foreign nationals. Uh, there are a, a good portion of them which are so-called dual citizenship. Uh, Israel has uh, the provision that you can be a citizen of another country and a citizen of, of Israel at the same time. So there are you know, a, a lot of uh, people in Israel who hold dual citizenship, whether it's here in the United States or France or England or, you know, pick a country. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's a tragedy that we're watching happen in real time. Uh, I, I've been watching, you know, a, as I can, you know, given the, my work schedule and so forth, I've been watching the reports coming in uh, on, on the internet from, uh, you know, cameras in, you know, Israel and in Gaza and, you know, the destruction of, you know, the cities and neighborhoods in uh, Gaza and Gaza City and, and various places, you know, in the Strip are, you know, just devastating. At one point, uh, the Israeli military uh, instructed and urged nearly a million Palestinians to leave the northern half of Gaza because that's where Hamas's command and control uh, mechanism, you know, infrastructure is. And as they are getting ready to do their invasion, that's where they're going to be targeting to wipe out uh, Hamas as a terrorist threat once and for all. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it is going to be uh, a pretty dicey uh, week. I have no idea how long uh, this conflict is going to continue. Uh, but I do know that, you know, it, it's, it's going to be bloody. There are going to be a huge number of casualties on both sides, both military and civilian. Uh, you know that that's the nature of war in the 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 times we live in. So you know, let's all you know keep Israel. Let's keep the Palestinian civilians in our thoughts uh, for their safety. Uh, they are. You know they're innocent in this, as are Israeli citizens. Um, you know the the people that were killed at that party uh, a few miles from the Gaza border. 
they were young people. You know, they were, you know, teenagers up through, you know, early 30s. They were there for a music festival. And, you know, hundreds of them were shot dead um, or beheaded or, you know, just all sorts of atrocities that were committed. Um, so let's hold, you know, the, the civilian populations in these affected areas uh, in our thoughts and close to our hearts that they will be safe. So um, that's going to wrap for this week's edition. We will keep track of what goes on in Israel. Uh, we will also update on where we stand with the battle in Ukraine uh, as, as this hot war in Israel has, has dominated the news cycles uh, for a week now. There's still conflict going on uh, between Ukraine and Russia. That hasn't gone on vacation while Israel's been doing its thing. So we need to make sure that we are following that. And, you know, to all of the things I've talked about on this week's show, get in touch with your um, congressional representatives in Washington. Get in touch with your senators. Talk to your local representatives, too. Make sure they understand uh, where you stand on these important issues. Uh, if they are, you know, if you live in a state that has uh, been gerrymandered, uh, you know, talk to them about how we um, how we break that cycle. At the end of the day, the one true way to uh, to bust up a gerrymandered uh, state is through overwhelming voter participation, and it doesn't matter whether it's a Democratic gerrymander or a Republican gerrymander. If you want to revert that, change that, you've got to get out and vote and you've got to get everybody you know to be registered, to uh, be active, to go on election day and make their voice heard. That's how you uh, eliminate gerrymanders in your state. So, We'll talk more about all of this uh, in the coming weeks. As I said, I'll keep you up to date uh, as best I can with what's going on in uh, Israel and what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, as always, I try and bring information that you know may not be getting uh, major league coverage in the mainstream media. Uh, I generally tend to look for the stories that uh, fly under the radar. So if, if that's you know, what you like to hear. If you want to hear the other stories going on, you know, keep tuned in right here to the Fired Up Podcast on WJMS Media. Tell your friends, tell your family that, you know, this podcast is about the political machine and, you know, how it, it functions or how it doesn't function uh, and brings a different perspective. So I, I hope you enjoy what I do. I hope you enjoy what I bring to you. I enjoy bringing it. I look forward to, you know, to telling uh, and passing along the information as I do and as I will as we get together again in seven days. Please, everybody, stay safe. And as, as Gil Scott Heron said in his song, work for peace. Take care. Mm-hmm.